millennials in, in as a whole are soft right they are the generation that has been given trophies for you know participation that all those things are true mm-hmm. but and there's a huge but the potential for them to change the game the potential for them to win the potential for them to lead us out of this mess is so much greater than everybody else including us who you know like myself is attached to money and title I, so many hang-ups will keep me from leading people out of this whereas a millennial can jump in and and find a faster way out welcome friends you are listening to blue collar money theories of middle class investing with your hosts pw gopal and mike hatch Hey, folks, welcome back to Blue Collar Money, theories of middle class investing, where we help everyday folks get financially unstuck by taking a blue collar approach, rolling up our sleeves, getting our hands dirty and accepting responsibility for our own financial future. My name is Mike Hatch, and I'm here again, as usual, with P.W. Gopal. And man, are we grateful you are along for the ride today. Thank you for for listening in. Man, we're excited to to continue this discussion, actually. We're going to continue now. This is part two, if you will, titled, Are Millennials Really Falling Behind Financially? And so we're going to answer that question today. We'll start out with with a passage of scripture that I had in mind to uh, springboard us into that. We'll recap briefly some of the thoughts from our, our last episode, part one of this episode. And then we're going to jump in and answer the question, are millennials really uh, falling behind financially? And we'll talk about some lessons that we've learned specifically regarding these narratives that we started talking about in episode, the first episode and, and applying them to, uh, to today and what's going on currently in, in the markets and for millennials. So, uh, so PW, man, it's good to be with you again today, bro. You too, man. I'm always looking forward to unpacking this stuff. And especially because we, we talk for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before we record. Yeah. So it just gets me hyped up <laughs> thinking about like yeah. the reality that we would like to expose in conversation, yeah. you know, versus what's, you know, happening uh, yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. And I'm grateful, Peter, but you are, you are on a trip right now um, in a strange place, pulled your mic and computer out, dragged it all with you to do this recording right now. So, uh, grateful for you, man. Yeah. Shout out to my, my father-in-law is very generous to, um, he's a pastor down here in Greenville, South Carolina, Caroline's in a wedding, um, today. So he was nice enough to come and open the church for me. So I'm sitting by myself in this massive foyer, uh, (laughs) but I'm sitting at the welcome desk. So I actually looks like I'm sitting at a news desk right now with it really I, does. It's like the map of the world behind me. And, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it really does. It really does. That's funny. Well, before we jump into this too, we want to remind folks that, uh, that we are doing a mastermind, our first ever blue collar money mastermind uh, entitled uh, um, Investing for Kingdom Impact. And, uh, and man, we're pumped about everybody who has already registered for that 
we are going to be somewhat limiting the registrations at, at a discounted price of $199 for this mastermind. Uh, in the future, it's probably going to be more like 500 or so. But again, this is our beta and, uh, and we're looking to test this out. And, uh, and so in a sense, you're, you're getting the discount because you're, you're a bit of a guinea pig for us. And uh, yeah, go ahead. You're going to say something. Well, and the other thing is the folks that are as an incentive to helping us in this first go round, there's a couple other classes that we're going to offer at massive discounts that will happen right after the finish of this mastermind. And That's right. as, as a thank you to, you know, to the folks that are, you know, participating kind of helping us refine and giving us feedback um, on the beta. Um, so there's a values course that'll be starting after just after Labor Day, uh, Redemptive Economics mm-hmm. uh, from Mike. And um, yep. yeah, so this is going to be really fun. And I'm, yeah, just excited about the guys that have already said, hey, like we're, we're in. Yeah. yeah, these are some high, high caliber people who yeah. are who are joining this. So the, the cool thing about it is that with, with the value of masterminds, for those of you who don't understand, maybe or haven't heard about what a mastermind is, basically is the other people who participate in the group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it takes, you know, the, the facilitators, which would be myself and PW for this, it takes those folks who have kind of started to build relationships and fostered a, a beginning of a community of people who buy into the values that we have espoused on our podcast. And, and, and in some sense, we're vetting, if you will. And so we could vouch for the character, the, the quality of these people who are going to be involved. And so you're going to be surrounded by through this, this mastermind, some incredible other people who will be able to give input and perspective yeah. to your, to your specific situation. And, uh, and our goal is really for you to come out of that mastermind with some very clear next steps for you in terms of how you can have a redemptive impact, uh, through, through investing. We start actually on July 21st, Wednesday, July 21st, it goes for five weeks every Wednesday during the noon hour, Eastern standard time. Uh, so it'd be 11 a.m. Central Time. And uh, we'll go for five weeks and finish up on August 18th. The way it'll work is for the first 20 minutes or so, PW and I will do uh, a presentation to uh, set the stage, build that framework. We'll have breakouts where you'll be in smaller groups with other participants to talk through your specific situation and be able to get specific feedback about your where you are and what maybe some next steps you should take. And then we'll come back and wrap things up at the end of the time together. So it'll be about an hour, maybe a little bit more than an hour, um, but not much, maybe, you know, hour and 10 maybe. But uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's going to be an incredibly valuable time uh, for us to spend together. All right. You ready to jump in? Yep. Let, let's start, number one, with passage of scripture out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses tw- verse 28. And this is, I think, hopefully going to... Um, set the framework for our time together today as we talk about narratives and this this reality of or non-reality of whether millennials are falling behind financially. So Ephesians 4:28 says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Paul of course is talking to those who have been who have been saved, who have come to faith in Christ and are, are now a part of the body of Christ, the church, and may have had a former sinful life of stealing or, uh, or something of that sort. 
And what he's saying is now that they have come to faith, now that God has, has been working in them and is changing them from the inside out, that they should no longer steal, but instead do something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And there's something there, I think, for all of us to take and apply to our lives in this, that there are some things that are insinuated here in this passage. Number one is that that we're called to be productive, not, not necessarily just to be pure consumers, but to produce and to add value to others. And you've heard us talk about that on this podcast over and over and over again, trying to shift that mindset. I know that was a big deal for me from being purely a consumer to a producer. And, and there, there's a lot involved in that, actually. It's not a simple light switch that turns on and off. Um, you really do have to, as we previously mentioned, be have your mind renewed, if you will, as Romans talks about. And then also have um, to be profitable that you would then have margin to be able to benefit others and help others in need. Of course, this can this could mean, you know, those in need. It could mean people who are who are legitimately in need in it. And I'm not positive of the historical context behind this. This could, this may still be in reference to people who had come to faith, joined the church. And as a result of that, we're really struggling because, um, uh, because their, their traditional ways of, of being provided for, which may have been stealing or some other dishonest ways, or, or that they had been ostracized by the Jewish community and needed extra help that those who would work and be productive would have the margin and the profit to be able to help those. But I think you could also apply it looking at some of the broader principles of scripture, not just those who are in acute need, but maybe even for those who are looking to start a business and need an investment. Maybe it's, it's you know, like we've talked about before, real estate, something to think about being productive and uh, adding value to others, having margin so that you have the ability to help others. So PW, how do we relate that to this subject of our, our millennials falling behind financially? Well, I think even in the title that we chose, um, which we, you, had, you had come up with, which I love, is that, um, you know, it's a, really asking the question, you know, because the article that, that was the impetus for this podcast was saying that, you know, by a certain set of standards, they millennials are falling behind. And then you you yeah. brought up the question, you're like, well, are they are they really falling behind? Right. And I had to think about it. And I'm like, well, you know, it depends on what your standard of wealth is. So I think before we can kind of move forward, it's just, you know, we want to talk about wealth in terms that we're aligned with and then suggest that you would figure out on your own, you know, what are the terms that help you define wealth? Because that really you know, number one, if it's not attached to the biblical narrative, if it's not attached to the kingdom, there's, there's many ways to, to, to describe it. Like scripture does leave it open in, in many senses, you know, to, mm-hmm. to creating your own definition. So the ones that we've come up with are, which I think I can speak for Mike as well, is for us, wealth is about self-determination. Mm. You know, it's, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom mm-hmm. to do what? Freedom for opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, for opportunity to make good, to jump into the good work that God has left for us to do. And, and, that, and that goes back to the Great Commission, that we would obey God, but we obey everything that God has commanded us and do likewise, right? What's the actual mm-hmm. scripture say? 
Yeah. From Matthew 28, the great commission, you're saying the great commission. Yeah. Yeah. We would go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything that, that Jesus has commanded. Commanded. And if I think if we kind of use that as a, as a reference point, opportunity always keeps us in the mission, Mm. you know? Um, So when we say opportunity, you know, we are talking about education. We are talking about jobs. We are talking about marriages and families and all those different things kind of fall under opportunity. They all, in some sense, they pay into the bank account of margin. That's mm-hmm. our, our last piece is like when we have margin, you know, where we're not living on the edges of the pieces of paper, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we operate out of kind of the, the core 40, 50% of time, energy resources, and right. then what's left over is a whole lot of brain space to commune with God, to worship God, to engage with his people, the ones that recognize him and the ones that don't. Mm-hmm. Like those that actively worship and the ones that are like, I don't know who Jesus is. Or even for, for me, the ones who are like, I'm good with Jesus, but I hate your church. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I'm like, yeah. oh, you're my people. Let, let's, <laughs> let's, let's figure out why it is, you know, that, that we can, we're, we're in this place and, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so again, it's it's self determination and opportunity and margin, but margin to then engage in the kingdom because God's already working and He's kind of looking around and saying, "Hey, guys, like I'm here. Come, come, come into this space. Yeah. We've already figured out your income. We've already figured out, you know, how your bills are going to get paid and all these different things. Come and do this work because I'm here and it's holy. Yep. Now, sacred work exists in the workplace. Amen. So, so that margin can, you could just, you you may not even have to leave your seat to do that extra work, but, but I think when you create margin in your head like that, there's this constant um, conversation, constant prayer that happens where you can start to mull things over, you know, that are happening around you. You're able to lift people up. You're able to to pray. You're able to be concerned about their concerns. Mm -hmm. Yep. you know, so that to us is wealth. And, and yes, on the backside of that um, is actual cash assets, resources yep. uh, that go with it. That's right. All that margin, because otherwise we can't take advantage of opportunities that present themselves if we don't have the margin. And, and unfortunately, I think one of the struggles that many millennials have today, and this, this came out in that article that you mentioned, is is just the debt that they are strapped with. They, yeah. the, the burden they feel from, from school debt. And then now uh, it, it could be, gosh, it could be mortgages as they're kind of beginning to buy first homes and stuff. That debt yeah. is just piling up in some ways that, that really hinders them, I think, uh, from doing the things that, that I think they would be most fulfilled and excited to do in terms of making a, an impact. Let me, Before let me we jump, yeah, go ahead. let me jump in there real quick because we weren't talk we weren't planning on talking about this, but it's <laughs> it's come up several times just in the last week, and so I just want to put a challenge out there. When my wife and I first got married, I had lost a bunch of real estate. She went to two private schools to be a social worker. We were mm-hmm. 105 grand in debt. Oh man! The day we, the day we got married, and we got rid of most of it in four years. Wow. And it's because we set we set our minds to saying we want to be better stewards. And we took the challenge, you know, to, to God and said, Hey, you know, we want to join you in what you're doing. We need, but we need your help to do this. 
And, and it meant mm. me saying no to a whole bunch of work, mm. which sounds really backwards. It meant my wife taking on a side gig, but all of that movement helped us say yes to some bigger things. And we were able to get, get rid of 85, 90 grand of debt in four years. As That's a, so cool. As a songwriter and a social worker. So again, why is this, why does this matter? Because my challenge to a millennial is if you are swimming in debt, make it a game mm. and take it to the Lord and see if, if you can find your vocation in a side gig and mm. your way out of the debt. I don't think there's a whole lot of merit in having, and this is a slight political statement. I don't think there's a whole lot of merit in letting somebody else pay off your debt. Yeah. You know, like I, cause I have friends that are just like, I mean, I'm so excited for uncle Joe to pay off my school debt. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like I would rather, and I, and I, and I can honestly say this, I would rather, I'd rather work it out with the Lord where he would make me more of something where he would increase my skill, increase my margin, like do something in where it could only be him that can take credit for it mm. and blow that debt away. Mm. As opposed to somebody just kind of, you know, erasing it. Yeah. And the other part I would, I would just add to that is because I know, man, I know some amazing millennials who've done some extraordinary things in order to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. Uh, the uh, one buddy of mine that I used to work with at the church, Tyler, uh, he, he started delivering pizzas on the side in the evenings and driving Uber. Yeah. Just, you know, working on top of his normal nine to five and just, pounding, you know, tons of, of cash yeah. toward their debt. Another couple I know lived on very, very meager means, uh, for about a year and paid off a, almost a hundred thousand dollars in debt over the course of a year or so. Yeah. And so there are ways to, I think, to sacrifice to get there, but don't in, in your, in your pursuit of sacrificing to pay off the debt, don't sacrifice also that the other side of the coin where, where you could be also educating yourself, refining yourself and, and figuring out ways that you can be productive to be able to add to that now. Yeah. So I just, I just yeah. wanted to throw there two sides of that, basically that coin. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we need practice. I mean, regardless of like, if, if, if this is all a supernatural endeavor or a purely physical endeavor, um, those arguments are not helpful. It's always both. Yeah. And yeah. so I, if I'm going to get strong, I got to, practice lifting. I have <laughs> to have practice and a history of lifting heavy things. Yeah. To me, it's more fruitful to say, Lord, I, I see that that thing right there, let's call it debt is heavy. Um, instead of taking it away from me, help me carry it. Mm. Let's, let's figure this out. I challenged my wife, who's a social worker. I said, look, I need you to hate this debt as much as I hate it. I can't sleep at night. I need you to hate it with me. And she said, I'm in like, and I said, who does what you do and who does something that you would like to do and makes a lot of money at it. And she figured it out and she ended up getting a speaking gig at a conference. There was a guy sitting in the audience and said, man, her, this lady's sharp. He said, I want you to be on my team. And now her side gig is working for the department of justice, teaching law enforcement about human trafficking. Yeah. And she gets paid very well for it. And that's so cool. And for that, those side gigs and, and my, you know, I only charged, I used to charge, you know, 800 bucks, a thousand bucks to play a gig. Mm -hmm. And I said, if we're going to get rid of this debt, I'm going to have to start charging 
40, 50% more, maybe even 100% more, mm. which means I'm going to lose a lot of yeses. And the opposite mm. was true. Wow. And I don't think, because, I, and I wasn't, it's not like I was getting better, <laughs> right? So I was playing the same songs. Yeah. Just, I honestly, I feel like God stepped in and said, look, I'm going to make this work mm. with you in this with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so, so it's not that's where awesome. we wanted to go, but I think that's a great point to start on. You've got to carry the load. You, yeah. You got you to own it. And God, that's right. let, let God do some crazy supernatural things. Exactly. And that, I think that's a great point because as you do that, as you, as you deal with that, that burden that you've been strapped with and, and you don't just ignore it or try to wish it away or hope someone's going to else is going to take care of it. Like, I think there's some really incredible lessons to be learned and, and growth to happen and your faith to be strengthened and expanded because of yeah. watching God come through, man, just, just, and the thing that popped in my mind too is just pray, man, pray, At, yeah. seek God and, and say, God, this, the, you know, first of all, admit your, um, the burden that you're experiencing. If there's sin involved in that, admit, confess it, um, and ask God to provide for you and open opportunities. I, man, he is faithful. He is so yeah. faithful and he will come through. Yeah. So, okay. So PW in the last episode, we talked about the seven truths of finance. So real quick, I'm just going to kind of recap that again. And, and these are the things that inform us about the lessons we believe that, uh, can be beneficial for, for millennials as they're trying to, to get ahead financially. Um, number one truth of us finance is there's always a market. There's always a market. Number two, there's always an arbitrage. Number three, speculators and market makers will help you know if there is a market when they show up in those, in those markets. And again, go back and revisit, uh, episode, the, the, the previous episode did this, and we get a little bit more in detail, but, uh, number four, some people will always cheat. Number five, small timeframes take the credit, small timeframes, and even just, uh, news bits and bites too, often take the credit for market moves. Number six, people are people. We haven't changed. <laughs> and then number seven, the herd consumes and productivity occurs outside the herd. So that's just a recap of those seven truths. So keep that in mind as a framework, if you will, PW. So the question remains, are millennials really falling behind financially? And let's discuss some of these lessons now about narratives from that one of the first few, what, episode number two of our whole podcast, I think was when we brought up narratives for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I think it was episode three, right in the beginning. I think I think uh, millennials are falling behind um, because they are in some sense being encouraged to play the wrong game. Now, having said that, I think their potential, their potential to, to jump into a different lane of investment can be instant. I think they can see success almost immediately. Um, if they are swimming in debt, they have, you have the time. Just let me hear, let me say that again. You have the time. I'm 50 years old. I have to be financially perfect uh, moving forward, you have time to make some mistakes. The thing I would encourage you to think of is you might be in a place where you don't get to control um, the metrics of your job. You don't get to control the pace of your job, the, you know, your nine to five, like when you show up, when you leave, God help you if you are micromanaged on a daily basis. 
if you are an hourly worker, you know, most times uh, you, there's not a lot of margin built into that hourly work. Um, especially if you're not working with your hands. So you're in a place where you've given control over to, mm-hmm. to a system. Now, whatever you get out of that system, right? So you pay your taxes and you take home a paycheck. And, you know, now what happens next is even more insidious. You know, it's putting it into those places that uh, most millennials don't save. And we're in a season now where if you look at people who, you know, who have wealth or who understand what's happening, are keeping money on the sidelines, you know, for, for upper middle class, you are aggressively saving because that's what your, your financial advisor has told you to do because they're right. You know, there's pieces to this that um, are part of what we call the great lie. And that is the set it and forget it mentality. So you're putting money in your 401k and you're hoping in, you know, 45 years or 30 years or, you know, that it'll be there and it'll be, it'll be high enough to where you can then keep your lifestyle, live off of it and rest a little bit. Um, that may or may not be true. There's a whole lot that can happen in 30 or 40 years. So we would say, pull yourselves out of that system, find a way and, and a side gig is a great way to do it. I've made a, a great living at side gigs, you know, and there's a way to keep your mind straight doing it because it's kind of hard to, move from thing to thing to thing and, and reset your brain for, you know, each task. There's a mindset to keep. There's also a way to look at money. Uh, There's a way to look at time to do that. But side gigs can kind of, you can start to take control back. Yeah. One of the best lessons that I learned from a client that I had years ago, and I mean, I used to teach tennis. So this is a tennis client kind of put his arm around me and he's like, you know, what do you make? And I told him and He's like, you know, well, what's a different way you can make money? I was like, well, I went to school for exercise science. I have, I worked for the number one trainer in the world. I have a background in, in strength and speed at a high level with high level athletes. And he said, well, have you thought about training, you know, the people around here? And it was, it's a wealthy neighborhood that we were working in. And mm. I said, yeah, because what would you charge? I said 55 an hour probably. And this is in the nineties. And um, that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money back then. <laughs> And he said, no, he goes, you're 150 an hour. And I just started laughing. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, that's three times the price of a tennis lesson. Yeah. I'm like who in your, who in their right mind would ever pay that kind of money? And he's like, well, you don't know unless you ask. And, and so he's like, you're 150 an hour. He goes, now, if people will pay you ahead of time for eight sessions, you can, you can allow them to pay a little bit less. Hmm. And so when the dust settled, uh, I had, I ended up doing group clinics for elite high school athletes and I made 150 bucks from each kid. Um, well, wow. I ended up averaging about 150 bucks an hour Wow! Um, for the group sessions. I averaged just under a hundred. If I took the average dollars an hour for training hmm. and I, and I was 26 years old. And so I took, I had, so I ended up making a lot of money in a little bit of time and I took all my free time mm-hmm. and I was a, I was actually a volunteer for Young Life. Mm-hmm. And so I did 20 hours of work a week teaching tennis or training people. And I spent 25 hours plus at the high school, hanging out with high school kids. Cause that was what was really important to me. There is a way to move yourself into higher dollar um, income streams and you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to acquire like crazy skill sets, 
but there is some thinking that has to be done, some creative thinking, and we can help you with that. But stop thinking about yourself as an hourly person. You know, in one of my later coaches told me to create some margin, you know, he said, you want margin down the road. He said, don't leave your house for less than 500 bucks a day. I'm like, what, do you, what does that even mean? He goes, He's like, stop taking these meetings, stop taking these gigs, stop, stop doing all this stuff. Stay home and read a book because that's worth a million dollars. Wow. I literally started thinking wow. about every book as a million dollar opportunity. And I kept saying no. And it, it didn't make me nervous. It made me really prayerful because I'm like, okay, I'm turning down a lot of money and a lot of gigs and I have to pay the bills. And then of course, weirdly enough, this one gig would come along and pay for my month. Wow. You know, and it, it just started, it, it really started to show me that I had to start making choices that affect my education and the person that I wanted to be. I didn't, I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to feed the person that I am now. And that's the, that's the two dog analogy, like two dogs in a fight, who wins? It's the one you feed the most. Mm, Yeah. You know, that's a great start, start feeding, start feeding the narrative, start feeding the person that you want to be and let God take care of all the things that that don't look reasonable in the meantime. That's great. Make see like challenge yourself. That's awesome, man. I, and, and see you're, you're hitting on something key and you said this before you said, um, millennials are are falling back are falling behind in a, in a specific game that's being played, but millennials have been told the narrative of this, of this one game is, is the right game to be playing. And yet it's, it's the wrong game. And it's interesting. You say that those words, because on LinkedIn in the discussion thread, as I was interacting with folks about that, that article, that was one of the things that I know one millennial mentioned specifically. And she said something like, yeah, everybody's been playing, uh, you know, what is it? Poker or something. And, and we've been dealt cards to play uno. So we can't, we can't, you know, we can't participate. Right. It was, it was, but it was amazing because at the same time, there were other folks from other generations who were like, Hey, just shut up, suck it up and and do what you're supposed to do. Right. And I think there's, there's, there's a miss there. There's a little bit of truth in that, in that, yeah, millennials, you like everybody else, like we have to work to be, be able to produce. But at the same time, it really, I think, dismisses their experience by saying, Hey, just do whatever, do what we've all had to do because that's a narrative we've all had to, to follow. Right. That's the game we've all had to play, but yeah. what you're touching on PW is, which is so huge is that you're touching on all the ways that the game has changed and how we need to reframe how we consider being productive. It's, and, and it's not just yeah. siphoning, you know, capital into the stock market and hoping one day, someday yeah. it's, it's rolling up your sleeves, getting your hands dirty, accepting yeah. responsibility for your own financial future and figuring out ways to be productive in maybe a side gig, or maybe it's reading and growing and investing in yourself. Yeah. The, if we, even if we didn't, and we all do, but even if we didn't make moral judgments against that, that narrative, the great lie, you know, like it's not a lie because somebody sat down and, and hatched this plan. Right. You know, and said, oh, you know, and, and, and like a small part of me thinks that actually happened. But, you know, <laughs> that said, OK, well, and, you know, because that's how the Federal Reserve Act happened. Right. If well, we, there are always cheaters. PW, sure. So, yeah, there are this, some. This this wasn't even about cheating. This was about, hey, yeah. how can we grow the economy? You know, and I think it was a righteous thought. OK, well, we can grow the economy through debt. 
you know, mm. but debt wasn't, it didn't seem like this insidious thing. Now we are in a place where like, we're so used to just getting debt for everything. And, and again, like some debt's not bad, you know? So when we look at this great lie, it, even however it started or however it's been propagated, it can't produce what it once did. Yeah, and so that's that, right. in that in that regard, you know, without any judgment on it, it's except for just numbers, it can't produce what we hope it will. There's too many maybes stacked in between. Let mm-hmm. go of those, jump out of it, and stop playing that game. Because millennials in, in as a whole are soft. Right? They are the generation that has been given trophies for you know participation. That the, all those things are true. Mm-hmm. But and there's a huge but. The potential for them to change the game, the potential for them to win, the potential for them to lead us out of this mess is so much greater than everybody else, including us, who, you know, like myself, is attached to money and title. I, so many hangups will keep me from leading people out of this, whereas a millennial can jump in and, and find a faster way out. We all see it. But because there's more of them in the workplace, it's more profitable for us to keep the perfume on the pig and get them investing into the market, which makes our own stuff valuable, right? Whew, that's There's huge. More- so, so they're being used in, in a sense. And yeah. again, maybe not, maybe not, uh, uh, how do I say this? The motives might not be there, but, but uh, maybe a lot of older generations are playing into that narrative and doing it without even realizing it. Well, they could, yeah. Cause they, the older generations don't know any better. Like they really yeah. believe that these, these, systems are gonna are, are paying back and, and mainly because of the mania like people have quadrupled their money in the last 10 years so yeah. why would you not think that the game is going to work well it's because you don't know anything about bubbles you don't i mean just try learn a little bit look at the market you'll see that it, it it has to come back um the the largest demographic in the workplace is the the millennial demographic yeah so just for that uh, just from from that point alone, there's more of them to to produce for the system, hmm. right? And being the output of the system is money that is then earmarked for the stock market, for a 401k, for a mutual fund, for any of those products. And that keeps the great lie going. Mm-hmm. Now, if you guys, if you like the younger folks are listening, if you guys decide to to jump out of it, you can still keep some of it in the market, let some of it ride. But even if you left all of it in the market, if you're not producing value and on your own terms, then I think you are exactly what the boomers Mm. say you are. That's convicting. like, Like meet your potential because you, because of this, because you sat with God and God told you what to do. Because you sat with mm-hmm. God and he, and he showed you. Yeah. You know, like reach your potential through that because you sat down and you educated yourself. Mm. Um, there's, there's enough information out there. I mean, you've got 61 episodes before this one um, to <laughs> yeah. go back on. It's all free. It, 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 you know, we point yeah. to tons of resources. There is a way forward and it's a way forward that leads the rest of us out of this mess. Amen. And so that's a great way of, so I just wanted to throw this uh, this resource in that we've mentioned many, many times called, the, it's a book called The Fourth Turning. And I just grabbed it because I wanted to remind us of something that I think we forget. So in The Fourth Turning, the idea is that there are historical turnings that happen that, that are cyclical. Things happen over and over and over again. 
And there are generation or generational archetypes that are formed as a result of these turnings that are cyclical. So my generation, for example, I'm, I was born in 79. So I'm like the oldest of the generation X, just, you know, bordering with, with millennials. But, um, but if, if you look at generation X, for example, there were people who, who would fit into the archetype of generation X, you know, about a century ago or so. And the, in the book, they actually categories, categorize each of these archetypes. So generation X was, is known as the nomads and there are different nomads that appear throughout history cyclically, just as a result of these different historical turnings. So, so as, as generational archetypes ourselves, we're not necessarily unique totally, but that there are others, you know, throughout history that would fit into our category as well. So here's the interesting thing. So millennials today are, are in the generational archetype known as the heroes in as categorized by this book. And guess who were the heroes before, you know, about a century ago around the turn of the 20th century, the, um, it was the GI generation, the generation that would be known eventually as the greatest generation because of what they did, uh, during world war II. Hmm. And I say that in, in hopes to, to encourage, uh, those who are millennials who are, who are listening and those of us who, who are not, or might be on the cusp, but just, just know that like, there is incredible potential in your generation to do what you you're describing PW to really help to pull us out of hmm. these false narratives and, and create some incredible, maybe, maybe reform might be the way to, to, yeah. uh, describe yeah, it. Way. Right. Yeah. Um, just something to remember, like, like, and, and the other, the other funny thing is they say in the book that the attitude toward the GI generation when they were young is very similar to our attitude today. Back then they considered them soft as well. Hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting how things replay, but so, so don't take this, you know, millennials, as we're talking about this, please don't, I, I hope you're not, you know, offended by us saying that these, you know, this is somewhat how you, how you've been um, defined as maybe being soft and the trophies and all that kind of stuff, because there's also incredible potential we see in you yeah. to do so much but, more. Yeah. And I, I'm a hundred percent. If you stay in the game, I think you're soft. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you decide yeah, to stay I hear in the you. game and play by their, by their rules and just become, you know, a zombie that's just like kind of giving up, you know, and I, I, and, and I realize that life gets hard and sometimes we're just too tired, mm -hmm. but you know, we're here to help. There's plenty of help available. And like Jeremy Shepard said in, in one of our last episodes, you have it within you to, to do, to figure this out. And I think that the really important piece is you have the ability in you to figure this out for yourself and others. Yeah. More, more than any other generation. Yeah. I think of the natural skepticism they have of institutions and, mm -hmm. and uh, like, I just think. But the affinity for relationships. Yes. The affinity for relationships. Yeah. Man. Like and the just, willingness to question this, the yep. convention. The willingness to sit with people and be in their mess with them. That's, yeah, there's no, I mean, for me, there's no higher. One of my values is loyalty. There's almost nothing higher in my mind than somebody who's, who's loyal. Yeah. And you know, your generation has that ability where somebody else's is going to get skewed by, by busyness or like profit or responsibility or, I mean, stuff that like could be good, but your generation can just jump in and just stay even when it's messy 
And I mean, the potential in the, in your generation is outstanding. I mean, and we just want to equip you to, to figure this out because if you figure this out, we all win. Amen. I, I love the way you just said that. So let's just finish up with some specific lessons that we've kind of already, you know, touched on a little bit, yeah. but let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade and kind of really, uh, yeah. Outline some ways that, that maybe millennials can start thinking of the game differently. So as a, as a reference, um, Mike shared in last, in the last episode, uh, Romans 12, do not be conformed by the, the, in my translation says the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, so when we describe like kind of these starting points, this goes back to what is the pattern of this world? World is just Greek designed, ordered system. Mm-hmm. Um, not good or bad. It's just a system. It's designed, mm-hmm. it's ordered. And if it's in, if it's in chaos, given over to the hands of man, um, just know that it's not going to work in your favor. So the lessons, you can't play this game. Um, and the game would be, there's a game being played. How do I survive it stage to leave and then actually make the pivot and leave Hmm. um, knowing that everybody else is going to play. So you can't play the game by making moral judgments against the game itself or the people, because then you're going to miss out on some of the information, right? So straw man, straw man fallacy, origin bias, like, you know, what's happening now between left and right, blue and red, um, just all over social media, if somebody says it and they belong to a different group of people, um, we dismiss it. Yeah. Well, there could be a ton of truth in it. Yep. And so that, it, it, we don't have the that, time to sit and listen to everything, but sometimes, you know, I was, sorry, I was, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, yeah, that was, right. I kept hearing that over and over again on, in the article, you know, the, in the LinkedIn feed that I was, that I was interacting with, yeah. I heard some of that, like people just, using all sorts of gaslighting and, uh, and just to dismiss their perspective and devalue them. And, and man, they're missing out on, on, we really have to take on a posture of, of learning and and understanding versus trying to be understood. Yeah. And be very careful about data because data is part of the straw man. Like, Mm -hmm. so as long as, as long as I have a, a, a data set, that just I and I and I and I'm and it's labeled somehow from and I get it from my side. I can just tear your argument apart and say, well, you know, it's not true because of this one thing. Like, go do your own work. You know, when I'm trying to figure out problem solve, I go find and this is like 100%. I have the, made the time to do it. I go find 10 examples, and and they're not 10 data sets. They're not 10 articles. They're conversations. And I try and get a wide variety of people to talk to about the same subject, you know, and if I can find three or four or five or six similar kind of narratives, I start to take out, you know, the high and the low numbers essentially and form a working narrative. And those, those real everyday conversations are very, very important. They help you make a starting point because right now it's hard to figure out what's true. It's profitable to keep us fighting with each other. And so, Mm. again, don't make moral judgments, get in there, um, have conversations and figure out how the game is being played. Second piece is hate debt, hate it, all kinds of it, every kind of it, and then figure out what is appropriate to have, but just handle it carefully. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Because, 
and and some of you already feel it. You feel the debt, even with with hearing Biden's new plan that just came out, his new uh, stimulus plan. Some I, I know some of you have have seen it on social media where you've you've talked about this sense of relief. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing if if the debt were gone, erase it, like fantastic. So you, I know you feel it. It's it's burdensome, and yeah. and we weren't made to be locked up or or enslaved like that. And and like you said. PW, Christ has set us free. Let's live in that freedom. And part of that is, is hating debt. Yeah. On top of that, um, you have the potential to, to earn your way out of it though. And, and you have the potential to have a greater earning potential. If you decide to tackle that 60 grand in school debt and you make it a holy endeavor, I 100% believe you have it in you, you know, to put, $61,000 events together, <laughs> right? <laughs> 60, 60, uh, you know, side gig, um, type of opportunities. Like, I think you, I think you can do it. It might take you five years. It might take you four years. I think you can do it. And I think it'll make you stronger. And the skill set you'll have on the other side is going to be worth way more than 60 grand. It's going to be worth like 6 million. I mean, yeah. you have it, you have it in you. Um, and I would also say you have it without you. And what I mean by that is, um, God is with, especially if you're, if you're a person of faith and, and you've placed your faith in Christ, God is with you and he is, he's in it with you. And I, and that's the thing where, where if, if you entrust yourselves to him and, and you're in constant communication, whether it be just being in his word and praying, like just acknowledging him, like Proverbs three says, acknowledge him and all, all that you do, and he will make your path straight. He will provide for you. He will make provision for you. He will go ahead of you in some ways that that will set you up that you weren't expecting. Um, so yes, you have it within, but you also have it without in terms of God's uh, working along. I hesitate to say working alongside you because he does so much that we don't even see it. It's right. so much more profound than just, oh, he partners with you. Right. He's, he's really moving yeah. on your behalf anyway. Yeah, he's, he's making and crafting a place for us to join him. Mm -hmm. Now that next piece, understand money, the money and currency relationship, money is money and a currency is representation of that money currency, um, especially in the environment we're living in now will always be worth less as it moves forward. That's right. You know? And so it's important that you have, or are working to, to build a, a system of cash flow in your life, instead of holding on to this small nest egg and hoping that it somehow is worth more later, you know, build something that actually has a constant flow of money into your, into your world. And that will, it will help drastically, I guess, mitigate the effect of inflation and of this devaluing currency. And, and but there's a relationship there. And, and, you know, I love sending people to the $20,000 gold video by Mike Maloney, mm -hmm. you know, it's called debt collapse. Um, it's an hour and a half. There's probably 45 minutes of, real, you know, boring information towards the end. But the first 45 minutes where he sets up the relationship of money and currency, I think it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And and I watch it, I probably watch it once a year, maybe twice a year, just as a refresher. Yeah, I think yeah, it's super valuable. We'll, we'll put the link in, in the show notes so you can go see it. Now, having said that earlier about, you know, making moral judgments, this last piece is helpful for us, this is just for us. Um, and for maybe some of the folks listening, self-determination is a moral endeavor. 
we we truly believe that God has set us free so that we can live free, um, but also to make others free. Amen. And, and a lot of people say, well, that's spiritual freedom. We just, as long as you're spiritually free, you're free. And we would, and I would argue that, that the kingdom of God, that, that the he- heaven manifesting here on earth has more to say about that. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that there's times that God allows us to be in slavery. He did it for Israel. He does it for us sometimes. I mean, there's actual yeah. people groups who have lived through that slavery. He has a purpose for us. Is it heaven? No. Slavery mm-hmm. is not in any form, any shape. And so in that regard, it's okay to make moral judgments about those systems and to say that is wrong and then to find a way to fix it, to not live in it, to um, escape it, but then to have an effect on it. You know, my, yep. I met a gentleman years ago in Boone, North Carolina, that in casual conversation said, hey, you know, free people, free people. Mm. And I was like, geez, like, I want, mm. I want to, I want to trademark that. Like, yeah, that's amazing. It's exactly right. You know, if you are yeah. free, then out of the, out of the just gratitude in your heart and out of the work set before you that the Lord has left for you to do, yeah. um, we will be a part of freeing people. And I think that includes financially. Yep. You know, finances are crushing the middle class right now and will continue to trucking is going to take a beating um, supply chain is going to take a beating. These are all over leveraged notes that the banks are holding. Aeronautical, mm-hmm. it's going to take a beating. Go to an IMN, like I is in idiot, M is in Mary, N is in Nancy, IMN banking conference. And it's a bunch of special asset bankers. They all hold the bad notes for their banks and spend $2,000, sit in the room and listen to them talk about what notes are bad. Cause that's the only thing they're allowed to talk about. That's their whole world. Mm-hmm. And they will tell you which industries are going to fail and how soon I went to one two years ago and 29 out of 30 panelists or 28 or 29, something like that. They all said recession, strong strap in. And then they started listing um, all the notes that they were wanting to sell to each other. Mm-hmm. And it will, it will tell you that we are living in the great lie now, is God mastered by this? No. Is he surprised by it? No. Does he have answers for it? Absolutely. And and weirdly, we get to be part of that. Yeah, man, that's right. That's right. And so what you're talking about, I mean, we, we're starting to see that right now uh, in the context, historical context of where we are. We're recording this on June 18th, the day after the uh, Federal Reserve just uh, had a, a meeting and then a, a press conference afterwards with uh, with. Uh, Federal Reserve um, Chair Jerome Powell, and they are acknowledging uh, that inflation is really beginning to take off right now because of all of the the printing of money that has happened. All sorts of prices are are getting uh, higher and higher, and so and so. Remember, inflation. Just real quick to clarify, is is the overproduction of currency, the rise in prices is a symptom of inflation. So you'll hear those confused often and people will just say inflation. Why is that? Like explain the mechanics of that right there. Oh yeah. So, well, obviously when the more currency you produce, it devalues everybody's currency that they have at the time because there's more currency chasing after fewer goods. 
Yeah. On top of that, we're also producing much less now than, than in the past. And so now it's, it's, it is exponentially more, I mean, by orders of magnitude of two and three more currency. I think, um, we printed more currency since I believe 2008 than, than we have since the founding of the country previous to that point. So you're talking unbelievable, like you can't even wrap your mind around some of the numbers. So we're, we're producing more currency. So just in, out of thin air and we're, and we're actually printing the paper. That's right. Nobody's for, earning it. For ones and zeros. Um, we're not as a country actually making the products that are then being sought after by that currency. And the stuff that we're getting um, is from other countries is of less, some of less quality. And so they break faster and have to be replaced more. So there's, Right. So I mean, there's, there's that's three different things that um, drastically affects inflation. Right, and, and, and the, that's go ahead. Sorry. Well, and the just the fact that um, you have just because of what Mike shared, you have two years and the clock is ticking mm. before um, your money could be worth even less. And so, if you don't have these streams of income coming in. Uh, and you're just waiting for your 15 or 18 or $20 an hour, you know, your ability to save your way to, re- to quote unquote retirement is going to get um, smashed. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. And, the, and so going back to that's the, that's a key thing to remember in terms of the idea between or the difference between money and currency under our current regime with, of currency, they can inflate the, the amount of currency, which pumps up prices devalues it's it's it steals from those yeah. who have worked hard for for that currency um and kind of siphons that uh for those who are who get that currency first which often are those at the top of the triangle if you will in terms of people who are uh who are wealthy people who are um banks especially and corporations and so you know one of the things you were saying pw before that i want to just bring up this passage of scripture that yeah, we need to be free in order to help to be able to free others. And as Christ followers, this is Proverbs 31. I've read this passage before, eight through nine. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. We are so clearly called in scripture over and over again to understand these these narratives, to to seek out and, and to be able to to identify who are those who are the most vulnerable and are exploited and to speak up for them. That's what Christ did for us. When he came in the form of, of a human for us, he condescended to us. We were helpless. We had no way dead in our sins, dead D E D dead um, in our sins, could not help ourselves. God condescended to us to, to be there uh, to, to provide for us in profound ways. Now that that's been done for us, it is, it should be out of a grateful overflowing heart to God that we, that we want to, to say what, you know, to do what this, this passage says, speak up, judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the destitute. That should be a natural outworking of, of our, of the gospel as it's become real to us. That's, that's great. Let me finish by, um, this is a quote from John Maynard Keynes. We've got this on our, actually on our website. Um, it says, Lenin is said to have declared that the best way to destroy the capitalist system was to debauch the currency. 
By a continuing process of inflation, governments can confiscate secretly and unobserved an important part of the wealth of their citizens. By this method, they not only confiscate, but they confiscate arbitrarily. And while the process impoverishes many, it actually enriches some. Now, historically, whether we actually believe that there are folks out there that are willingly impoverishing people, we could spend years arguing whether that's true or not. It doesn't really matter. The stage is set for it to happen, and it is happening. And our point is that this younger generation, you have the energy, you have the drive, uh, but you may not have the education. And, the, and now the clock is ticking. But we, we certainly believe that you can do it and you can lead the rest of us out of it. Friends, thank you for listening in. You have been listening to Blue Collar Money with P.W. Gopal and Mike Hatch. If you would like to reach out to P.W. directly, you can reach him through his website at pwgopal.com or you can reach out to Mike Hatch at empoweredmanhood.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming contents. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you soon.